0: It is 11.30 here at KRVN on this Wednesday. It's time for midday. It's going to be a busy one as usual. Some great content coming up. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports. Tell us uh, how day two of state golf is going here in Nebraska. Bob Rogan will step in and talk about or preview how uh, the business report will look and, and stocks are doing so far. On this Wednesday and of course in 15 minutes some key information with Paul Perkins about how much severe weather we will see most of us will see at least some sort of thunderstorms likely by the end of today already seeing some severe weather in northwest Kansas and southwest Nebraska that is coming up in about 15 minutes but let's head to the eastern side of the state catch up with our own Susan Littlefield and uh, Susan are you seeing some sunshine out there in your area. is my fault let's let's skip over to uh jason to uh let's start there with the high school state golf uh they started earlier today
1: right they did in the uh, meet in north platte for class d at lake maloney which makes sense because of course with the forecast of severe storms later on this afternoon they got that thing started at eight a couple of local teams right in the mix in class d will give you the lowdown coming up in sports also we'll talk about uh Local kid who's going to be playing some minor league baseball in Illinois before he heads off to Alabama. That would be Jake Leger of Lexington. So those stories and more coming up in sports.
0: Huskers uh, also made an announcement yesterday that they'll be uh, traveling the state.
1: Yes, when they remember everybody every four to five years. Even athletic director Bill Moose said it's it's been too long, which it has. And a uh, number of towns in this region are listed we don't we don't know much about it but in the past they've kind of done some barnstorming and some goodwill tours they're hitting basically every part of Nebraska which is which is good but uh, who you will see we have no idea I've done some efforting on that and have come up with very little at this point but when we find out (laughs) who will be coming to uh, South Central Nebraska we'll let everybody know. Including
0: here at Lexington. Somebody's coming. We don't know who. Maybe the janitor. I don't know, but somebody's coming.
1: here. Wouldn't that be something if old Scott Frost walked through that front door?
0: Hey, 50,000 watts, why not? Uh-huh, all right, very good. well, let's now catch up with Susan
2: well, thanks so much Tyler Here's what's happening on this sunny Wednesday from the farm team, kicking everything off at twelve nineteen We'll be talking about corn nematodes with a folks from Pioneer, some things that we need to watch for as we head into this growing season. Alex will step in at twelve forty five as we round out May is renewable fuels month in Nebraska. We'll take a look back at some of the highlights from the month, including the latest in biodiesel research and policy. And then wrapping up everything at 1:17 will be our summer intern, Whitney Steckel. Whitney will talk to the advisor of the Nebraska Junior Angus Association about the upcoming activities that will take place this summer. That's a midday on this Wednesday from the farm team.
0: Okay, good stuff. Thank you very much. Sure, appreciate that. Let's head over to Bob Brogan. And Bob, how are stocks performing so far on this Wednesday?
3: Well, the Dow's 30 industrials are down about 32 points. The NASDAQ is up 41, and the S&P 500 down nearly three points. Also, uh, Governor Ricketts today signed a major broadband bill, which will help uh, Internet access in rural areas of the state, and kind of bridging the digital divide. That was a uh, major story for Nebraska, that, that bill signing today.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds very good. Thank you very much. Let's get midday started. Here's Clayton. It is time for regional ag weather, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. Paul Perkins joining us here in the studio. And, Paul, as we start today, we start with severe weather that is happening and severe thunderstorm warnings northwest Kansas and southwest Nebraska.
4: Yeah, one of those into start, starting to move into southwest Nebraska. Severe thunderstorm warning in effect until eleven fifteen mountain time, twelve fifteen central time for northwestern Rollins County, southern Hitchcock, and southern southeast Dundee County. Severe thunderstorm right now, located six miles north of McDonald, Kansas, just to the west of Atwood. That's moving to the northeast at twenty-five miles per hour, some quarter size hail with that storm. Locations that look to be impacted include Trenton, Stratton, and the Max area. Also severe thunderstorm warning towards uh, northwest kansas that's what uh, a severe thunderstorm warning for northeast thomas county and southeast Rollins county until twelve thirty central time severe thunderstorm just to the north of levant kansas moving to the northeast And some 2-inch hail and 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts possible with that storm. That storm should be right in the Colby area right about now as it moves to the northeast. And we've had had some inch and a half hail reported with that storm near Brewster, Kansas. Otherwise, a lot of us experiencing some sunshine. Just those clouds with those thunderstorms over west-central Nebraska and northwest Kansas. Maybe a little bit of a shower trying to form right along I-80 towards the Lexington area right now.
0: Now, unfortunately, with those severe thunderstorm mornings in the uh, southwest region of Kansas, northwest region, sorry, southwest of Nebraska, northwest of Kansas. It's a preview, basically, of what's to come later today.
4: Yeah, just a little bit of a pregame action here. Uh, the main show expected to get going later on today. That's when the instability will start to really increase. Right now, most of our temperature is in the upper 60s to the low 70s, but we do have some temperatures more so in the mid-70s to around 80 in much of eastern Nebraska and central and east Kansas. You'll notice the humidity is not quite there, especially in Nebraska. Dew points in the low and mid-50s a lot more comfortable than it has been, but we are Seeing those dew points increase into the low to mid 60s right now over northern Kansas, and that moisture will be lifting to the north. We will see those thunderstorms in the west this afternoon track into the central and eastern areas for tonight. Right now, a weakening front is lifting slowly to the north with moisture and instability increasing that front over northern Kansas, lifting into Nebraska as the afternoon goes on. Storms expected to form along a dry line right near the Colorado-Kansas border. Those storms will track into the central and east for tonight. Some of the storms will be severe with nearly all of Nebraska and Kansas, in at least a slight risk of severe storms from the Storm Prediction Center. Now, the threat gets even higher for most of us most of us in an enhanced or moderate risk of severe storms, the higher enhanced risk covering areas along and south of a line from Chadron to Broken Bow and Lincoln. The even higher moderate risk is in place for areas from Ogallala to the Tri-Cities, then south into southwest Nebraska and northwest to north central Kansas. Strong tornadoes are possible over southwest Nebraska later on today into tonight. Other threats include wind gusts up to 75, large hail to the size of baseballs, a few tornadoes and rain totals of 1 to 3 inches, leading to some localized flooding. Make sure you are weather aware today, especially as we head towards this evening into tonight. More can be found on our KRVN Facebook page. A cold front will usher in temperatures 10 degrees below average for tomorrow through early next week. Most of tomorrow through Friday will be dry. More thunderstorms likely by Saturday night through Sunday night with lingering chances into Memorial Day. Significant rain amounts once again possible. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska can Kansas temperatures, seasonal to slightly cooler than normal from Memorial Day through June 8th, rainfall from Memorial Day through June 8th, near normal to slightly above normal for Nebraska and Kansas. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning in the low 60s in south-central and eastern Nebraska and nearly all of Kansas. Soil temperatures in the mid-temper 50s, found from north-central to west-central Nebraska on into the very northwest corner of Kansas. The panhandle continuing with soil temperatures in the low 50s. Key weather factors driving the markets include the continuation of rain chances for most of the central U.S. and favorable weather for crops in Europe and Russia. The next few days, off and on, rain and thunderstorms will affect several areas, including the Plains, Midwest, and Mid-South. Five-day rain totals could reach 1 to 3 inches or more from the Central and Southern Plains and the Lower Midwest. Midwest rain amounts will vary. Northern and Eastern areas expect light to moderate rain, while the Western and Southern Midwest, with heavy amounts, possibly severe storms and potential flooding. The Southern Plains forecast continuing with moderate to heavy rain, a benefit for their row crops and soil moisture. The Northern Plains, notably colder through the next week, including the potential for frost, In most of Europe, periods of rain and mainly below normal temperatures, keeping the crop moisture favorable across crop areas of Russia and Ukraine. Rain chances increasing. Most primary wheat areas forecast to see moderate to locally heavy rain, useful late-season moisture for the Russian and Ukraine wheat, along with the summer crops.
0: So remind us again where we will likely see, I mean, basically everywhere has a chance for severe weather, but the, the likelihood for some of that nasty weather later today and tonight.
4: It looks like a, a lot of these storms will start to develop right along that Colorado-Kansas border, then gradually move towards the east and the southeast, and especially as this front does lift through the area that, uh, later on today. That'll increase that moisture and instability. A lot of us are going to see this activity late this afternoon into the evening for the western areas, then across the central and east in the late evening into the overnight hours. Okay.
0: All right. Very good. Now, I know you have maps, and uh-huh. if somebody also wants to find out more about... Potential for severe weather, where can they find that?
4: You can find those maps on our KRVN Facebook page. Also, lots of weather information on our weather page at krvn.com. All right. Thank you, Paul.
2: We all know it's been an interesting start to the growing season because of the weather. Having said that, scouting your fields right now is critically important, especially when it comes to corn. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Mary Gums is a pioneer agronomy science manager. We're going to talk not only about scouting these fields, but looking for corn nematode pressure. I
5: would say that uh, farmers want to uh, look in their fields to see if there are patches where they're just not getting as consistent growth or it seems like you've got some stunting or or, or just slowing of the crop in areas of the field. Uh one of the things that this could be is uh is corn nematodes. And uh nematodes are microscopic roundworms that can feed on the crop. They feed on the crop's roots. Um uh, they they hurt the root system so that the crop cannot take up as much water and nutrients as it normally would. Uh so we found that they're they're pretty uh common in the United States across both the eastern and western corn belt. Um a lot more thought. And those cool temperatures you mentioned, anything that um, makes the root system grow a little bit slower and not be as vigorous makes a plant uh, more susceptible to nematode damage because it stays small longer, and so that damage is proportionately worse to a small plant.
2: Were you surpri- surprised by a recent survey that you guys did that showed 75% of the, those respondents said, oh, yeah, we've been out, we've looked in our fields for nematodes before?
5: Yes, we were. I don't think that that uh, number would have been quite so high if we had done this study five years ago. Uh, nematodes are something that we're becoming more and more aware of. So we were very pleasantly surprised that 75% of, of growers had checks for nematodes.
2: But then you got to be the glass half full. 25% of them have not. So what type of education do we need to do to encourage folks to get out there and really check it out?
5: Uh, if you haven't touched for nematodes in your fields before, uh, I would suggest that you pull a soil sample about between, say, Z4 and V 6 um, before it gets really hot this summer and the nematodes start uh, going deeper into, into deeper soil depths. Uh, but when you have enough root tissue on the plant that you can sample some of that root tissue. Uh, so... So V3 to V5 really is probably the best time. Go out there and pull a soil sample. You'll want about two cups of soil. You want soil from the middle of the row as well as soil from within the row. Like I said, it includes some root material because there's some species of nematodes, uh, that, that infect inside the root. So you have to have some root tissue in that sample in order to find those. Um, and send that out to uh, a nem- nematode lab. Uh, there's a lot of great nematode labs at our land-grant universities. Also, uh, places like, uh, Waypoint or Evergreen Nematode Labs. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, good options out there. Uh, send that, send that sample in. Make sure it doesn't dry out. You don't have to send it on ice or anything, but keep it cool and, uh, make sure it doesn't dry out. Probably send it two-day mail and, uh, and send that sample in. All these labs also will have their, uh, submission forms probably online.
2: And this is something you cannot see with a naked eye.
5: Right. The, the largest of the nematodes is about the size of like a 12-point font period when you're looking at a sheet of paper. Uh, so those are the very largest ones, and most of them are far smaller than that.
2: That's my conversation with Mary Gums. She is a pioneer agronomy science manager. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
0: It is time for midday sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us. And well it is 8-2, uh, the final day of high school state golf
1: as they rush to get these tournaments done and everybody home before the storms hit. In Class A, Pius had the lead. Prep was second. Jacob Bohr led the way after a first round 68 up in Norfolk. In Class B, Mount Michael had an eight-shot lead over Scott. McCook was setting fifth. Luke Gutschwicky, he led the way after firing a 71. He goes to Mount Michael. Peyton Crew McCook was up to a good start. He was setting fifth going into the final day after he carded a 77. In Class C, Columbus Scotus with the lead. Aquinas was behind. Rockney. Peck of Wisner-Pilger had the lead after carting a 72, and in Class D, North Platte-St. Pat's had the lead with a 329. Elm Creek was setting second with a 341. Burwell was third. Brendan Walker-Mullen had the lead with a 70. Of course, they moved up the start time of that event in North Platte, uh, trying to race the weather. UNK head women's basketball coach Carrie Amy announced this week that two transfers and a high school senior would join the Lopers this fall. The transfers are forward Grace O'Neill from Regis and point guard Sarah Schmidt who was starting at UNO last season. With prep star point guard Jillian Ashoff from Lincoln Pius also joining the Lopers. Amy feels these three will continue to strengthen the depth of the roster. It's been
5: really advantageous for us to be able to, to move people around and, and have people play multiple positions and and uh, put put different combinations on the floor, um, so it just it just gives us, yeah, all the options that we feel like we need to be able to to continue to to be where we want to be in this league.
1: My complete interview with Coach Amy can be found on the podcast page at krvn.com. UNK is coming off one of its best seasons in school history as they advanced to the NCAA Sweet Sixteen. Lexington native Jake Leger will spend his summer in Illinois as a member of the Danville Dans minor league baseball squad. The Dans play in the wooden bat prospect league. This past spring Leger pitched for Iowa Western Community College helping the Reavers go 50 and 10. He finished up with a 3 and 1 record with an ERA just a touch over four. He had 23 strikeouts in 15 innings of work. And this fall, he will head to Alabama to be part of the Crimson Tide baseball program. And leaving up to the Royals, they snapped the Tampa Bay Rays' 11-game winning streak. Brad Keller has been really up and down this year for the Royals. Seven strong innings. Kansas City won it 2-1. to one. Last night featured the return of shortstop Alberto Mondesi. He was 2-4. for four. Uh, There's a the guy at the beginning of the year was put on the 10-day disabled list, but spent 45 days trying to come back from that oblique muscle injury.
0: 30 more days is what he needed Yeah.
1: They're glad to have him back. And if he can hit, who knows? Maybe maybe that 11 game losing streak did not sink the Royals. Uh, Rich Hill allowing those couple hits didn't help my fantasy team. <laughs> just saying there. So. Yeah, but he struck out 13. Well, he
0: did. That helps. That kind of <laughs> counter, you know, set off what happened. But come on. I was hoping against these
1: Lousy Royals right now, but it didn't work out. Says the Rockies fan. Listen,
0: <laughs> I already know where we stand. We just go from there. At least you're consistent. I know. I know. All right.
4: Thank (laughs) you.
0: It is time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder has stepped in, and we start off our newscast today with a bill being signed by Governor Pete Ricketts.
6: Yes. uh, This morning, uh, Governor Ricketts held a news conference where he signed LB388 into law to help bring high-speed Internet access to rural and digitally underserved areas of the state.
1: And in fact, we know that we've got 80,000 Nebraska households that don't have the FCC basic minimum of 25 megabit download speeds and 23 megabit upload speeds. And that is something we started addressing with the CARES Act money. We invested nearly $30 million into connect, starting to connect 17,600 households.
6: Ricketts gave some additional details about qualifying for the funds.
7: It does require the
1: applicants to put up 50% of the money of the cost of development, and that they commit to getting that development done in um, 18 months or
6: less. Governor Ricketts was joined at the bill signing by state senators and representatives from Nebraska's telecommunications industry. Nebraska State Patrol troopers arrested a California woman following a pursuit on I-80 early yesterday morning. It happened around 3.30 a.m. as the State Patrol received a report of a vehicle traveling at excessive speeds near York. A York County Sheriff's deputy then reported seeing the vehicle as it was traveling more than 100 miles per hour. A trooper attempted a traffic stop later on, but the vehicle accelerated and fled. The vehicle reached speeds in excess of 115 miles per hour during the pursuit and exited at the Grand Island-Hastings interchange. The vehicle came to a stop in the parking lot of a fuel station south of the interchange, where they were uh, located or took the uh, driver into custody without incident. There were three children located in the back seat of the vehicle, and a search of the vehicle revealed a small amount of methamphetamine. The driver, 24-year-old Ingrid Barris-Duran of Los Angeles, was arrested on numerous charges and lodged in the Hamilton County Jail. The children were placed into protective care. A former South Sioux City High School coach has pleaded not guilty to sexually assaulting a 15-year-old student. 25-year-old Nathan Rogers filed a written plea to the first-degree sexual assault and child abuse charges. He was first arrested in March after being accused of raping the girl at his home in December. The girl told investigators she had gone to Roger's home to pick up a vaping pen. Once inside, she said he pinned her to a couch and forcibly sexually assaulted her. Rogers has said he had consensual sex with the girl who was too young under Iowa law to consent to sex, but also faces charges in a second case involving another 15-year-old girl. And a 44-year-old Norton, Kansas man has been sentenced to more than 43 years in prison for killing his wife in 2019. Damien Shields was sentenced for second-degree murder and kidnapping in the death of 38-year-old Lori Shields in April 2019 at a home in Norton County. Damien Shields pleaded guilty to the charges in February. Police found Damien Shields the day after his wife was killed in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Suffering from a self-inflicted injuries, Smith was convicted of domestic violence in 2010. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
8: As we round out May as Renewable Fuels Month in Nebraska, let's take a look back at some of the highlights from the month in this episode of Cruising with Renewable Fuels. I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network. Greg Anderson is a Nebraska Soybean Board member and a farmer from Newman Grove. He says that research with soybeans and soy biodiesel is ongoing in Nebraska and beyond.
9: Well, soybeans are a wonderful crop. they been touted the miracle crop. There's about a thousand uses for soybeans, but uh, we're constantly looking on the biodiesel side for uh, some technical research. You know, the the diesel engine is continually changing. It's begin becoming uh, cleaner. Uh, the emissions is always something that's looked at. So with that, we need to make sure that the uh, Biodiesel renewable diesel continues to have a platform and a place in that. The engine manufacturers uh, work along with us in those technical projects. So those are some important things uh, long-term, uh, sometimes short-term, just like as the uh, health benefits study done. It was done here just in the last few months. Uh, those are important, too. And I think all in all, as uh, farmers uh, realize that their soybean checkoff is is working very effectively in The uh, investment of uh, checkoff dollars into biodiesel and renewable diesel projects because of the return on investment that they get. It's really been the flagship checkoff program that uh, soy has not only started, but continues to fund. And we see that high return on investment uh, everywhere we look.
8: And Greg says one important aspect with the success of renewable diesel in Nebraska is the relationship between soybeans and livestock.
9: Well, the biodiesel industry also works hand-in-hand with Nebraska's livestock sector. We know, all know important, how important livestock is to the state of Nebraska. I'm a livestock farmer and cattle farm uh, producer myself. And uh, the biodiesel industry uses inedible tallow and grease as a biodiesel feedstock as well. And not only is there increased carcass value with that, but there is decreased soybean meal expenses for feeding hogs and poultry. So, a healthy biodiesel market equates to a healthy soybean crushing industry, which in turn means very solid demand for our ag products in the state. It's very appropriate that May is Renewable Fuels Month. It just showcases and highlights this important fuel, and it shows the importance to our consumers and the end users, as well as to Nebraska's farmers.
8: Switching our focus now from the state level to the national level, Kurt Kovarik with the National BioDiesel Board says the organization is focused on policy efforts for biodiesel in Washington D.C.
7: The new Biden administration, their top one of their top priorities is uh, addressing climate change and removing carbon from the from the economy uh, has has become a kind of a government wide goal of this administration. So. As renewable fuel producers, uh, biodiesel and renewable diesel are uh, anywhere from 65 to 85% less carbon-emitting than petroleum diesel. You know, our motivation here at the National Biodiesel Board is to ensure that the administration understands uh, what biofuels has to offer, uh, biodiesel specifically, and then to ensure that whatever uh, the government is pursuing includes – uh, the benefits of, of homegrown, uh, renewable, uh, less carbon-emitting biodiesel. So whether that's in an infrastructure package, whether that's through uh, uh, tax incentives using the tax code to incentivize new technologies and, and lower carbon fuels, or through existing policies like the renewable fuel standard. We want to ensure that uh, the benefits of biodiesel, both on the And the cleaner air and the the lower carbon emissions is is well understood by this administration, appreciated and included in their their strategy to uh, achieve their goals.
8: And from policy to research on the national level, results of a recent study demonstrated the health benefits of using biodiesel. The National Biodiesel Board undertook the study with Trinity Consultants, which is an environmental research firm with over 40 years of experience in conducting health risk assessments. Keeping the fuel type and uses in mind for all types of biodiesel, Floyd Vergara, who is the director of government affairs with the National Biodiesel Board, revealed the results of the study.
10: For the 13 sites that were evaluated, the study shows that switching to biodiesel in the home heating and transportation sectors would prevent up to 340 premature deaths, 46,000 fewer sick days, and $3 billion in avoided health costs. I wanna pause at this point to emphasize that these numbers are on an annual basis. In transportation sectors, uh, in the sites that were evaluated, the benefits include a 45% reduction in cancer risk, when heavy duty trucks such as semis use B100, and over 200,000 reduced asthma attacks each year. And when bioheat fuel made of 100% biodiesel is used for space heating, The study found an 86% reduced cancer risk and 17,000 fewer lung problems each year. Now, keep in mind that the study looked at only 13 sites. So so these substantial benefits from 13 sites represent just the tip of the iceberg of potential benefits.
8: And in conclusion to that study, Vergara said steps can be implemented now to improve health benefits across the world.
10: The study shows that biodiesel provides substantial public benefits, public health benefits when used instead of petroleum diesel in transportation and space heating. The direct and immediate benefits provided by biodiesel use accrue where where they are needed the most, in communities that historically have been exposed to high pollution levels because they are close to high diesel use activities. These communities include uh, ones that are near ports, rail yards, logistics facilities, agricultural operations, and high-traffic roadways. Biodiesel provides these benefits because it drives down particulate emissions from diesel engines, especially older ones, and it reduces particulates from space heating. But just as important is this fact. Biodiesel provides these health and quality-of-life benefits immediately upon use in place of petroleum.
8: And finally, Greg Anderson with the Nebraska Soybean Board says the best way to celebrate Renewable Fuels Month in Nebraska...
9: To go out and fuel up with biodiesel. If your fuel supplier does not carry it, ask for it or go to a fuel supplier that does. It's uh, distributed widely across the state.
8: For more information about biodiesel in Nebraska, you can visit nebraskasoybeans.org. This has been Cruising with Renewable Fuels, and I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network.
0: It is time for the Midday Business Report. Here's Bob Rogan.
3: Well, U.S. stocks wobbled between small gains and losses in early trading today as investors continue to monitor the economic recovery and rising inflation. A variety of companies that rely on direct consumer spending, such as Nike and Gap, made solid gains, and the gains were kept in check by lagging healthcare company stocks. Markets have been bumpy over the past few days as investors move past a stellar corporate earnings season and await additional clues on economic growth. The next key update is set for Thursday when the Commerce Department releases its GDP report for the first quarter. Online shopping giant Amazon is buying MGM, the movie and TV studio behind James Bond, Legally Blonde, and Shark Tank with hopes of filling its video streaming service with more stuff to watch. Amazon is paying $8.45 billion for MGM, making it the company's second-largest acquisition after buying Grocer Whole Foods for nearly $14 billion in 2017. Governor Pete Ricketts today signing Legislative Bill 388 into law during a ceremony at the state capitol. The bill provides $20 million in matching grants a year to expand access to high-speed broadband across the state. LB 388 was introduced by Senator Kurt Friesen of henderson at the request of the governor and prioritized by speaker mike hilgers of lincoln it passed final reading with a forty nine to nothing vote. it's supposed to it's expected to have a pretty good impact on the state as far as broadband internet access also nebraska's leading economic indicator rose sharply during april according to the most recent report from the university of nebraska lincoln Leading indicator rose by 1.96%, marking the seventh consecutive monthly increase. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan.
11: I'm Whitney Steckle, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. Every year, youth ages 8 to 21 in Nebraska Beef Breed Associations meet together for their annual state breed shows. The Nebraska Junior Angus Association state show will take place June 4th through 6th in Broken Bow. To learn more about the opportunities of the Nebraska Junior Angus Association summer show, we are visiting with Alicia Much. Alicia is an advisor for the Nebraska Junior Angus Association. Alicia, the Nebraska Junior Angus Association has a pretty unique schedule. Go over how that looked for us this past year and what you guys have coming in 2021.
12: So this past year, we started our show season um, in 2019 with our winter show at the beginning when those calves are small. And those youth exhibitors participated there. um, And they also showed at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic in February. Then we had to have a modified state show, which we got to hold in person with a few limitations. So the youth still got to be there in person with their cattle. got to participate with some fellowship events and get ready for that National Junior Angus show. Um, The National Junior Angus Association did a great job providing virtual opportunities for youth, as well as holding a modified in-person show for 2020. Then they ended their show season at Nebraska State Fair. So over this last year, we held virtual board meetings and also utilized a Group B texting app to stay connected with our youth throughout the state. In 2021, we look forward to our state show in Broken Bow in June and then the Junior National Show in Grand Island, Nebraska this summer.
11: So looking into the 2021 summer show, what type of opportunities in and out of the show ring does the event offer to Junior Angus members?
12: So our state show in June offers youth a chance to get their cattle into the show ring, and it also allows for fellowship among the youth and adults from across the state. We always say that there is nothing like your Angus family. Juniors will also be able to attend a membership meeting, a family barbecue, and then if they plan to attend Junior Nationals, they can participate in the team fitting, team sales, and quizball, quizball competitions with hopes of making the team.
11: So like you said, the 2021 Angus Junior National Show is coming to Grand Island this summer. What does that event bring to your junior members?
12: So this event, it brings juniors a chance to attend a national show in their home state. Some juniors don't get the chance to travel to other national shows, as they can be a great distance away. Um, and it also brings many new members to join the association in order to participate in this event. The last time we hosted the National Junior Angus Show, it brought out a lot of new members to our association, and we expect this year to be the same. Um, juniors can also participate in a variety of team and individual contests. And the National Junior Angus Association has also kept some of the virtual options for those contests this year as well.
11: Is there anything else that you would like to add about your upcoming state show or just your association in general?
12: So aside from showing contests and fellowships, juniors involved in the Nebraska Junior Angus Association also have many scholarship opportunities available through our adult association and the national junior angus association and you can always visit nebraskaangus.org for more information and we are always welcoming new members and we just hope to see you all at the state show in june and at the grandest show in july
11: thank you for your time today alicia we appreciate it thank you that is Alicia Much, an advisor for the Nebraska Junior Angus Association, holding their annual state show June 4th through 6th in Broken Bow. I am Whitney Stuckel reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
13: Play fan on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, corn comes back as we see it kind of have a nice reversal here through the mid session. Uh, is this coming out the fact that we did not actually confirm those rumors yesterday of China dumping corn and going over to new crop supplies? Well,
14: definitely, we, you know, sell the rumor by the fact that kind of what we've seen here. Uh, and the, in the numbers that came out really aren't that large. So I don't think it changes the story much. I think in the near term, it blows out some speculators There's a lot of length and by that meaning folks who own corn on paper, who simply see that news and get out. And I think that triggers stops in a liquid market. And next thing you know, you know, we're 20, 30%. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, 20, 30 cents lower. Like we, like what happened yesterday. So uh, I thought the action today was, was pretty uh, promising and you know, outside of wheat, and I think wheat, Continue to kind of use that as an overhang market, but I really think we priced ourselves now to a point where, you know, I, it's competitive against the world stage. You have, you know, Mark crops still on the ground, and, and there's some weather premium up in uh, the spring weed areas. We're off to a really bad start. I think the worst in the last 30 years. So, uh, you know, I think the market is a, I'm not say a time bomb, but if we don't catch a weather, if we catch a rain or miss a rain here or there somewhere, you know, the market will certainly put back into premium. I don't think there's much in right now.
13: So with that type of limited downside pressure that we're seeing right now, is it one of those situations where you would expect fund money to maybe look for big breaks like what we've recently seen in this corn market to step back in as another buying opportunity?
14: I would think so. I would think, so, you know, commercial side as well. Um, just given the, the break in price here, not just in this market, but in, in the, you know, deferred contracts that, that it's kind of slipped back towards $5. So i'm not uh I'm not super pessimistic here from this level i I do think again wheat is the key in the shorter run for corn um, you know we can't see that spread out too much right now it's trading corn's about a quarter twenty five cents over wheat so to uh to see the market you know take that price out would be a, a surprise in my opinion um, and I think again, we probably hit some levels in wheat that should should bring about some some buying um, but I doubt we we see anything really move on the new crop corn side until weather.
13: So plenty of factors to be considering here as we go forward, and especially one where these commercials and fund managers possibly looking as well. With the uh, inflation number coming out towards the end of the week, any macro potential pressure to this market?
14: You know, I think the macro pressure's already come out. Look at copper, look at lumber. You know, the commodity trade's softened a little bit here. China's doing what it can to tell prices come back or so- soften a little bit, but it's not, it hasn't changed the story at all.
13: That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. More at DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, training future options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors.
0: All right, thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. For more from Midday, you can check out our Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. That's available wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com.